Al, it is our final regular episode of the year. Oh, snap. And it's time for us to finish out by talking about the latest entry in the Resident Evil series. I sure do love this series. You uh you had you had seen this game before. Yep, my brother played had it not- multiple times in front of me. You had not played it though, so we you have played it for the first time. I watched you play it mm-hmm. and then I played it. Mm-hmm. And now we played here it in we different are. perspectives. We did, which, yes. Which is important to note. We're gonna we're gonna talk about this here video game. It is it is sure a video game. Yes. Um yes, we, we recently talked about seven. Correct, a few weeks ago. Yeah. So now we get to talk about how it compares. Correct Amundo. Please don't uh, ho- headbutt me in the throat. <laughs> Sorry. That's not me. That's not me. I'm not <laughs> headbutting you in the throat. So just to be clear. <laughs> just to be clear. That'd be a very weird introduction to a podcast. Just be going up to you and just go, bam, right in the throat. <laughs> now talk. Now talk. Uh, hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Season Lamb Checkup OVA. It's a podcast where we have conversations about video games, anime, and manga. Hello, I am Jared, joined as always by Doc Al and Ladium. Hello, hello. This is episode number 311, because Amber <laughs> is indeed the color of your energy, and this is going to be a beautiful disaster. <laughs> oh, man. Old school, who remembers? Who remembers? Who remembers? <laughs> Uh, we were talking about <laughs> Resident Evil Village today. Also known Village. as Resident Evil 8. Yes. But they don't call it Resident Evil 8 for reasons, I guess. I don't know. I'm just saying it's also known as that. No, 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 yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. Uh, but yes, uh, this came out last year on the uh, Playstations, the Xboxes, the PCs, the Google Stadias on May the 7th, 2021. It also came to the Mac and Nintendo Switch on October 28th, 2022. Wow. And yes, like as you said, this is a sequel to Resident Evil 7. Uh, Ethan's back, and he's got some more bad things happening to him, essentially. We have, like, Brick Wall Chris back. Yeah! Which is a huge improvement over 7. Very much so. Oh boy, am I glad to see him back. He's a, a, a breath of fresh air. I like that there's also just no explanation. Like, yeah, this is Chris. This is what Chris has always been like. What are you talking about? Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Uh, let's talk about development of this game. Let's before do it. we dive into everything else. Okay. Uh, Resident Evil Village was in development for approximately three and a half years before its announcement in June 20 of 20. 20 of 20? 20, 2020. <laughs> Uh, Capcom asked the Resident Evil team to start development on August 8, 2016, while Resident Evil 7 was still about a half was still about a half a year from release, according to director Morimasa Sato. Without having RE7's release to judge its success, the team kept the initial designs around the core survival horror gameplay roots that had been in Resident Evil 4 and had been a return to form in RE7. Hmm. Uh, during this early period, that came, they came up with the concept of the village as a central theme, inspired by RE4, where its village was also a central location, as well as many of the gameplay mechanics established by the title. The team used RE4's approach to create a balance of combat exploration and puzzle solving. Hey, Sato remember how that, you said that this was basically a remake of RE4? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, Sato said. Uh, Sato said that for the new game, we're bringing the essence of Resident Evil 4 while Resident Evil 7 functions as the base for the game. 
looking back at the use of horror of RE7, producer Suyoshi Kanda said, one of the lessons we took away is that it's, it isn't something that is black and white. It's always going to have some variation or modification and figuring out, okay, this worked for RE7, but rather than replicating it, let's find a variation that works for a wider audience. The Velma team opted for a more balanced take on action horror for Village, which was a good idea. It was a very good idea. Uh, RE7 was released in January 2017 and was well received by critics and players, so the team decided to make the next game a direct sequel to RE7, keeping its protagonist Ethan Winters as the main character and retaining the same style of gameplay. According to Konda, this, this also helped to complete Ethan's story that was left open in RE7. The team had been attached to this character and worked to devise a story with him with the other Resident Evil teams within Capcom. Not sure why they got attached to him, because he had no personality in 7. Yeah, but I, I, they at least fixed that in this game. They did. That's what I'm saying, is they were attached yeah. to him from 7, and like, why? Yeah. <laughs> he got better than 8. He was just a eight. dude. He was just a guy. Uh, as they continued to develop the village, Sato said they wanted to give players more freedom towards solving puzzles and make it a horror movie that you can play. Kanda said that like RE4, they were able to incorporate a variety of different themes of horror within the village, leading Capcom to describe the village as a theme park of horror. <laughs> sure. Uh, in contrast to past Resident Evil games that generally have been linear progressions, the team created a more open-world-style village with optional and secret areas designed to reward the player for exploration. The main story remained in a preset order that the team felt best for how the player should experience it. He said that compared to the claustrophobic feeling of the Baker Mansion of RE7, the horror in the game came from uncertainty on what lurks in the openness of the village, while easing the tension curve compared to the previous games through quiet moments such as save points. Uh, Sato also stated that the village's snowy weather was inspired by the team's trip to Europe for research for the game, where they met, were met with by an un bleh, they were met by an unseasonable cold snap. The scenery, not the sneezery, the sneezery <laughs> was covered in snow. This inspired us to implement snowscapes into our game. We use snow not just for visual presentation, but as gameplay elements as well. They do. Sure, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Uh, while it is recognized by Capcom as the eighth main game in the series, and is, as its logo is stylized to include the Roman numeral 8 for 8, the producer stylized the title to emphasize on the village aspect rather than the 8. In a Famitsu interview, producers Kanda and Peter Fabiano said that they considered the village a character and wanted to reflect that in the stylization of the title so the players would remember it. Development on the game was hampered by the COVID-19 pandemic in Japan, at one point bringing the development process to a halt for a month. Wow. Uh, like RE7, Village was developed with the RE engine. According to director Tomonori Takano, the development team drew inspiration from Resident Evil 4 as they wanted memorable characters to populate the village. Takano said that the developers wanted to combine the same approach that started with Resident Evil 7 and that they wanted to move away from simply using elements like zombies to scare players but create unique situations and characters that would create fear in new ways. Capcom had considered populating the game's castle and village with hundreds of witches but found this difficult to conceptualize. The team decided to switch directions from witches to vampires for Lady Dimitrisk and her daughters, albeit avoiding stereotypical tropes of vampires in popular culture. Uh, castle Dimitrisk was also inspired by Pele's castle in Romania. Uh, and there's also a quote here from Morimasa Sato about, or from Resident Evil Village, meet Lady Dimitrisk's three daughters. It says, you'll find that many of the enemies that appear in Resident Evil Village are inspired by many figures you might find in classic or gothic horror. However, in order to make them make sense in Resident Evil Universe, it was imperative, imperative that the daughters be living beings. No matter how supernatural something may appear, they always have some kind of scientific explanation as to why things are happening. This, uh, this approach just isn't specific to Resident Evil Village, but the franchise as a whole, and was something we were sure to address. When we were constructing the narrative in the full scope of the game, it was an aspect that we were very conscious of. I just clicked so on the link for this castle, and it does not look like that castle at all. 
At was all. inspired by. <laughs> Maybe the inside? I don't know. We took inspiration to this, but we didn't make a one to one replica. <laughs> Uh, the other three houses in the village drew from other classic gothic horror themes of Simulacra, Merman, and Ghosts for Heisenberg, Moro, and Benevenuto, respectively. Carl Heisenberg is characterized as an engineer with an extravagant dress sense inspired by men's fashion from the 1960s. His base of operations is not covered by snow, unlike the other lords, likely due to its lower altitude of its location. Salvatore Moreau was conceived as the most repulsive creature on Earth. His domain was originally inspired by a frozen lake the team cited during a research trip in Eastern Europe. House Benevieto furthered some of the ideas that the team had used in Resident Evil 7, with Sato noting that the fully veiled Donna Benevieto and her puppet Angie are considered to be the scariest of the four lords by his American colleagues, even though the team approached Angie's design with an instant impact in mind rather than purely frightening. I agree that they were the scariest of the four. <laughs> for major antagonist Mother Miranda, Takano stated that the crows were, were the primary motif of design, noting them being symbolic in the game's <clears> village as well as functioning as the overarching design theme for the game. The Lycan's werewolf-like design was developed with the goth game's gothic horror setting in mind, with Sato explaining they very much spawned from the fact that we wanted to create an enemy that represented the village. We designed it very much with where this is kind of a twisted outcome of a human being where we draw a lot of inspiration from werewolves, being able to tap into that gothic horror visual. Uh, Chris Redfield, a prominent protagonist in several Resident Evil entries since the first game appears as a major supporting character in Village. However, he is instead shown as more nefarious in the game's trailers due to killing Mia and kidnapping Rosemary, which surprised long-term fans. Kanda described Chris's appearance in the game as a much darker, more sinister role in, con in contrast to his previous her heroic portrayal in the series. Chris, well, I mean, early on. Yeah, okay. Chris's actions serve as a major mystery to the game, which Capcom felt was an opportunity to showcase the character's progression to fans who were already familiar with him. Chris eventually becomes playable towards the end of Village, where the game briefly transitions from survival horror gameplay into a more action-heavy segment due to Chris's veteran experience in fighting bioweapons, which Andy Kelly of PC Gamer saw as a cathartic moment for players who have been carefully conserving ammunition up until that point. <laughs> and then they also put R-Reverse in this game, but blah blah blah, who cares? Yep. Uh, is there anything in release and promotion we want to talk about? They put out demos, like they did with Seven, so that's just a thing, yeah. People are obsessed with Lady D. They sure were. Yep. Uh, they put out the DLC of this game, which they uh, they announced at E3 2021, and then at the Capcom Showcase in of uh, this year, June 2022, the Winter's Expansion, which included the new story expansion, Shadows of Rose, where you played as Ethan's daughter, Rose. Uh, there is a third-person camera mode in that DLC and also for the main story as well, mm -hmm. along with some other stuff for Mercenaries mode as well. And that came out on on October 28th, 2022 for the original consoles it came out for, and then came out on December 2nd for the Switch Cloud version and will come out on the Mac at a later date. You didn't mention the puppet shows, but those were amazing. There were puppet shows? Yeah, so some of the ads for this game were like puppet shows with the the four lords and they were really really wild that's pretty good yeah yeah uh this game Probably received you need to know that yes i i, I thank you mm -hmm. i agree uh this game received favorable reviews uh on the pc it's an 83 out of 100 ps4 81 of 100 ps5 84 out of 100 and xbox series x 83 out of 100 on the metacritic there were some people who did not like the Chris segment of the game, where it says here, it was criticized 
the, for being too action heavy, negatively comparing them to Call of Duty and the worst action heavy portions of Resident Evil 6, which, hey, what is it like being wrong? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wonder how it feels to be so wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. All right, Alice, time to time for you to guess how yeah. many units has this game sold? So this is up to June 2022, so does not include like the Switch and Mac versions or any like new copies that got sold in conjunction with the DLC that came out later that year. So as of June 2022, how many units had Resident Evil 8 sold? Um Um, <laughs> I mean, I could just cheat and look, but that's mean. It is mean. I I think maybe we're gonna go with what's a normal amount? Two point five. <laughs> is that your final answer? Yeah. Why the f not? Incorrect. Dang it. Six point four. Wow. It had sold more. It. Had, Shipped more than two and a half million units in the first four days of its release. <laughs> Wowza. So yes, it, is, it became the third fastest selling title in the RE series, tied with the Resident Evil 2 remake. And with this game, Capcom had now sold a total of 100 million units of the series since 1996. So there you go. RE8. Resident Evil 8. The eighth Resident Evil. Uh already I could I could just tell you much better game than RE7. Much better game. Much better game. It's just more fun to play. The story's more enjoyable. Just they improve the gameplay on a bunch of different facets. Like it's just every everything you would have wanted from RE7, they took and were just like <laughs> And just made it better for this game. Al sent me some pictures of these puppets, and they look very dumb and good. <laughs> Aren't they great? Look at that. I think I remember seeing this. Like one of these commercials in the lead up to the launch. Now that I see it, yeah, it looks a lot familiar. Yeah, they're a lot they, familiar. Yeah, that's the word. They were, they were, they were wild. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but yes, this was a, a huge improvement. Holy Big time moly. Um, and we've talked about this several times, um, both on and off the podcast, but I think part of what made it so much better is that it went back to more like what Resident Evil has been. Like, it's somewhat goofy at times, but like, it's not completely serious. It's not completely scary. It's kind of in between somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Ethan continues to lose so many things off of his yes. body. <laughs> Poor Ethan is just constantly missing pieces of himself. And he he's he's more of a character in this game, like we I think yes. we mentioned earlier. Like he has more snark to him. He's more reactionary to things. He's not just like I'm just a, I'm just a dude here. He's actually like I have character now. Isn't this great? Right. It was it was awesome. I mean, like he actually seemed like he gave a um. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe part of that was his motivation, um, motivation to get his, his kiddo back, um, and some rage at his supposedly dead wife. Um, but he actually just 
seem to be a human as opposed mm -hmm. to just somebody you're playing as as a as a uh as a person to embody the player yes yes exactly mm -hmm. uh like we mentioned earlier as well very much they pulled a lot of stuff from resident evil 4 for this game like <laughs> There's a merchant that follows you around all the time. Enemies drop money and stuff for you to, you know, use to buy upgrades for your guns and just items in general and all that sort of stuff. There's a bunch of jewels around that you can shoot and use to sell to, you know, buy more things and all that sort of stuff. Like, so much of this game just has the DNA of original RE4 that you would look at this and just go, yeah, they just made a spiritual successor to RE4. But then on the on the flip side as well, they're making that RE4 remake. <laughs> right, right. And and I mean, we were talking about this while we were playing it that like if RE7 was like Resident Evil 1 remade, mm -hmm. like this is definitely RE4 remade, but how how does it how is it going to feel to people who played this game and then, and then they go, go and play to, that remake, yeah. Right. Like how is how is that going to feel because there are a lot of the same like vibes to it mm -hmm. and um you know some of the some of the same plot points ish um you know there's there's no giant statue chasing you down but unfortunate you do have a man who turns into a tank so there is that yeah it's i think it's going to be very interesting to see just how people react to this remake compared to this game in particular just to see if like people aren't as enthusiastic about the RE4 remake because they just played Village right. know, two years ago. Or if they'll just be like, yo, it's RE4, who cares? Right, which seems to be somewhat the case. Um, yeah. Although, I, I, I legit showed you earlier today, um, there were there were people complaining about like the, the chainsaw parry with a knife in RE4 <laughs> and how unrealistic it is. And, um, you it's know, like, bruh, look at the series you're talking about. Right, right. And that's what everybody was saying is like, have you played any Resident Evil? And this one person was like, oh, you know, it, it jumped the shark with five and six and Code Veronica because it really went crazy. And you Code Veronica is a very weird pull for that. Right. And like it, it, it got away from the roots. And um, then somebody responded back that, you know, the most recent game being Village. In, in in the series had a a giant vampire lady and a man who turns into a tank um so you know kind of proving the point here that resident evil is not a fully serious game and has always leaned pretty hard into that b-movie type of genre mm -hmm. it always has 100 percent, and i love it i'm glad that they went back more to that with yeah then i seven. i agree completely <laughs> i was like yeah this is what i'm looking for and then they put it in third person and i could actually play it it was fantastic which i so so i guess to clarify as well like you played this in third person all mm -hmm. the way through i played this in first person all the way through because like i'd just been used to it from playing thefts through seven and everything and i didn't buy the dlc so it was just that's the way i had to play it right it looked like it would have been harder to play this game in third person than it was in first person but i think it's also just a, a factor of they designed this game specifically for a first-person viewpoint, you know, originally right. and everything. Right. But, you know, with the RE engine and all that, like, they are able to do things like, you know, make third-person games like they did with 2 and 3. And they did a little bit of that in the 3 remake where, like, the beginning of the game is you're in first-person and then it 
is third person to the rest of the game. So, like, it's totally doable. And I think, like, you know, for what they do, like, it runs completely well. It plays, you know, about the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, there's parts of it, I think, like, the viewpoint kind of hinders you because you don't have your complete viewpoint in front of you. You have to, you're kind of hindered because of the characters in front of you because of the third person uh behind the back camera profile and all that sort of stuff so like there's a bit of things like that i think that slightly hinder it like if i was if someone came to me like hey which which viewpoint should you play this game in i would be like hey you should play it in first person that's the way to, that's the way to go unless but, you're like my best friend who can't play it in yeah first exactly person. unless like you have to play in third person like do it like that but i would say like it, it's not like bad or anything i just think like there are some caveats to playing it in third person that you would have to deal with Fishing is harder and, in third person. Yeah, there's a lot of things like that, like, you know, trying to get those, like, animals and everything. It's much harder to do in third person. Um, and I think some of, like, the precision aiming as well is kind of a little bit more difficult in third person compared to first person, at least from what I, I saw. Mm-hmm. I, mean, that's, I mean, it that's, also might just because I'm bad at aiming. Well, it's also prior to you having to turn auto-aim off of it because it was being incredibly stupid. <laughs> I did much better after we turned off auto-aim, didn't I? Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> It was wild how much better I did. Um, but one of the great benefits of third-person perspective is that we get things like me being completely blocked by the dump truck. <laughs> that was pretty funny. La- Lady D is like, you are not getting past my butt. Uh-uh. He's like, okay, well, I guess I'm not getting past Going your this butt way. now. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, it is real cool that they were able to like make this work. All the way through. Yeah. Because you don't really see a lot of games like have a specific camera angle for the entire game and then be like, hey, by the way, we're going to make a secondary camera angle that works completely well. Like, I feel like this worked and like GTA 5 did it incredibly well as well. As well, as well, as well, as well, as well. As well, as well. Um, And like those are like some of like like the biggest examples I could think of of like games that start off in one camera angle and made another one and it was totally playable and fine and worked incredibly well <laughs> as well. I don't know if you heard that or not. No, I did not hear that. Okay, we're good. We're good. Um, but yeah, it's cool that they were able to do that. Um, I was very pleased because I, I was, I'm not able to play first person games very well. Like it just mm-hmm. does not click with me. I think the only ones that I, the only one that I've really been okay playing was like Doom 2016. Yeah. Um, but just something about the perspective is just not something I can do. So once they mm-hmm. announced like, "Hey, we have a third person mode," I was like, "I can finally play this!" Yay. Um, and you know, my brother did me a a super duper solid by last Christmas. I went home and he's like, "What if I just play RE8 in front of you so that you can experience Village?" And not have to play it. And I was like, yes. And then he played it like four times. It was like, it was great. <laughs> I, I will say, I think the biggest uh, difference between the two camera angles comes in the Chris section. Because I mm-hmm. think in first person, you can do crowd control way better than you could in third person. That makes sense. Because I was, I, and I was also just going, and just headshotting so many dudes. And it was so satisfying. Okay. But like, you just, you're just able to like kind of just, move between targets I think much easier than you were in third person when you were playing it. But counterpoint here. Yes, counterpoint. Hello. And 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 third person mode with Chris, if you have his knife out and you crouch, he does that okay. weird yes. crouch. That and is it's a good brilliant. point. 
That is a good point. <laughs> Which I guess this should be mentioned. That I, 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 we didn't talk about that in RE7, but we, we made a toxic gamer, Ethan Winters. Um, yes. <laughs> do all the teabagging in RE7. And I continued to do that as a joke. <laughs> Because there's you know so few enemies in that game, so like anytime they show up, it's like pop, 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 teabag them and move on. I continued the tradition. <laughs> yes, and I very much appreciate it. In village, but with uh with third person mode, and so I had a knife out with Chris, and I started doing that. Rip was like, "What? What is he doing? What is this?" It was the wildest crouch ever. <laughs> <laughs> My man was like a frog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, Toxic oh, Gamer Ethan Winters continues to live. Well, sort of. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, this game's fun. This that game was sorely missing from the, from the last game, except for the, the end of Zoe DLC. Yes, yeah. I, I thought that this was a lot of fun. Um, mm -hmm. Just generally, it felt like more of a like return to form for Resident Evil. Yeah, I agree. You know, we got we got original Chris Redfield look back, and we got original Chris Redfield personality back, and we also got you know stupidness and fun mm -hmm. gameplay back. Mm -hmm. So I am feeling more confident in the series now after playing eight or Village. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with that, bully. but also it's going to be interesting, I think, to see where they take the series next. Yeah, because, I mean, like, Ethan's done. Yeah. Can't play as Ethan anymore. What are we going to so do now? What... <laughs> Chris Redfield and his <laughs> rogueness. His sweet peacoat with, uh, with no buttons. With no buttons takes on the BSA. <laughs> Man, I would play a game with his, like, Wolfpack boys and gal... I would too. <laughs> Those like that's the thing awesome. I most. That's honestly the thing I was most interested in coming out of this game. Would be like, well, I want to see Chris Redfield go completely ham on the BSA for being dummies, and his rogue unit now just messing everyone up for getting into bioweapons and him being like, "This is this is what we've been fighting this whole time, you idiots! What are you doing?" I think that would actually be a really Stupid. cool direction to go for this because like they showed us in the in the helicopter, like, "Hey, look, here's a BSAA guy, but he's a bioweapon." Mm -hmm. um, and Chris, you know, they've mentioned several times like he went rogue. We don't mm -hmm. know what happened between eight and Rose. Um, but I mean, I feel like it would be a really cool way to take the the story to find out like, I don't know, what's Chris up to since he's gone rogue? Yeah. But I wonder how people would react to that. Yeah, that's also true. Um, if if they reacted poorly to it, they're wrong. <laughs> there's a lot of whiners in the Resident Evil fandom, so... God, there's so many whiners in the Resident Evil fandom. There's so many. Mm-hmm. It's like they've never played a Resident Evil game before, I swear to God. <laughs> uh, well, would you like to talk about the story of this game? Like, I mean, there's not a whole lot to really talk about the story, because like, a lot of this is, you know, you're exploring big areas and everything, and then you have boss fights in those individual areas and then things happen and progress. Like there are, there's some story beats obviously, but it's not like this isn't a super, like super duper, super duper story heavy game. I would say, which is fine. Yeah. Um, we also, 
can't forget to talk about jiggle physics. Oh boy, will we ever. <laughs> um, but essentially you start this game and like Ethan and me are settling down. They have a kid. They're trying to escape the you know, the terrors of Louisiana and in Europe now. And then Chris Redfield and his 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 homies just bust into their room or their house, shoot me and kidnap the kid and Chris and Ethan's like, Yo, bro, what what the heck? Why did you do this? Why did you kill my wife and take my That's bed? not nice. <laughs> and then uh they get broken out of a transport truck, and now Ethan goes into this very spooky village that has a lot of bad things happening to it, and finds out his daughter's been split into flasks. Yep. And he's essentially got to defeat these four lords and the the leader of them in order to get his daughter back, and that's our that's basically your premise for Resident Evil Eight. Yep. And find out what Chris is doing because he's a weirdo. <laughs> like I said, with his pico with no buttons. Exactly. I, I will uh, say, though, like, besides, like, the weird tactical pants, like, Chris is pretty dang stylish in this game. He's got that, the, like, sweet tactical turtleneck with, like, <laughs> his, he is struggling to stay in that shirt with Barely with his, containing his muscles. Barely containing them. Like, his, his arms, Jesus Christ. Return to form. I love it. It's very um, good. I, I, I also think it's funny, we haven't mentioned this at all, but, like, they really, really uh, continued the bit of not being able to see Ethan's face. Mm-hmm. And it was really well done. I think the best points parts of that are when in the DLC. In the Rose DLC, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> um, but even in third-person mode, if you like try and look at his face, he'll turn away from you. Pretty good. It's real good. Um, yeah, so you... You're in Europe. Chris was like, hey, you're going to live in Europe now. Yeah, get away from everything. And it turns out, oh, boy, you didn't get away from everything. You, you just got to the you got to the genesis of everything. Um, I I was appreciative that there were a lot more villain, like, vil- that's not what, enemy types in this game. Yeah, so you have, like, the, the, the like, regular standard little, lichens. The, little the, the normal dudes you run into who are kind of lichen-ish. Um, you will run into like some bigger wolf guys who are kind of more special enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, the weirdos in like the the basement of the castle and everything that like have weapons and all that sort of stuff. The flying mm-hmm. dudes, uh, the dudes you run into in um, Heisenberg's area. Yeah, they all have like all those variations. The to soldats. Them. Yeah, so like there's a lot, definitely a lot more enemy variety in this compared to seven, where it was just like two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the boss and, fights, I think, are better in this game as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I guess we should go somewhat in order-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, Lady D was like a big thing that they used to market it. Market village. Yes. Um, everybody's like, hey, look, here's this really tall vampire booby lady big lady summer and everybody's like yes <laughs> yes my favorite thing about that is that like the all the reaction came out afterwards and capcom was like yo we were not expecting this yeah they did not expect it they they <laughs> hang on a second <laughs> i was like how did you not expect that have you been on the internet for a day come on um but yeah they they did not 
did not expect it. Um, as I mentioned before, she is capable of blocking you with her giant dump truck butt. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got like fingernail claw things that she can retract. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very, very tall. Very tall, and she stalks you around the castle at one point, kind of like um, Mr. X. Mr. X and RE2. Mm-hmm. So you have to deal with that, which is very funny to watch you and I play this game because you watched <laughs> me play a little bit of the castle portion yep. where you were just very timid and like, oh, I don't want to go out there. She's going to hit me. And I was just like, oh. all right, hey, what's up? <laughs> Let me oh. juke you and I'm out of here. See you later. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> I mean, that just kind of is like how we work, though. Mm-hmm. Like you're way more brave than I am when it comes to things like that. Yeah, it's, it's just very funny, just because you're just watching me like, oh my gosh, you're just so more, you are more brave. What are you doing? I'm just like, Meow. hold on. Her character design was inspired by the 16th century Hungarian noblewoman Elizabeth Bathory, the Japanese urban legend, internet ghost story of Hashako Hashaku Sama. I don't know what that is. Um and. Angelica Houston's um, portrayal of the character Morticia Adams from the Adams Family. <laughs> That's a lot. That is a lot. Huh. Um, we had a lot of designs. <laughs> some of the characterization offer references Ramon Salazar from RE4, a diminutive villain said to have resonated with many players as a memorable antagonist. So they went the opposite. They're like, what if we make a giant lady instead of a very small man? From one spectrum to the other. Ooh, it's been falsely pronounced. You're falsely pronounced. No. Got him. Got him. Dimitrescu. Huh. Anyway, um, I will stop reading her Wikipedia page now. I just got curious. Um... But yeah, it's it's very much like a, a stalker character section. You also have her her daughters who attack you throughout. Mm. Um, they're made of bugs. They're made of bugs. Um, this is some of the part where um, Ethan gets pretty brutalized. He like gets hand hooked. He has to rip his hand out of the hook. Ugh. Also, gets his arm, his hand cut off. Oh right, that happens too. His arm gets and cut he just- off. Puts it back on. He's like, oh, okay, cool. All right. <laughs> this works. <laughs> well, gotta get this and flip that switch again. Woo, let's go. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah, man. And that was that was wild. Um. So the castle section is like some of the like most notable from like the original advertising. Yeah, because they basically kind of just like showed that off, and then not much else of anything else, which makes sense. You're yeah. going to show off most of the beginning of the game and the advertisements to not give give away too much of your hand. Um, which I'm 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 glad because the second one is my favorite, even though it's absolutely horrifying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely horrifying. So, like the the first section of the castle is kind of like your traditional Resident Evil, where you're going around solving puzzles, fighting enemies, all that sort of stuff. The second section is more of you're solving different kinds of puzzles, but there's really no enemies in there, and you're kind of just really trying to solve this like puzzle house, and then eventually you get another stalker character that you have to deal with, but is much bigger, bigger, and is like a one-hit kill if he catches you, essentially. Correct. 
and it makes it a little bit more more stressful, let's say. For some people. For me, I'll just like, all right, let me just juke around you, all right, see you later. <laughs> I don't know how you're not terrified by that thing. Well, it helped that I had already seen it when I was watching you play it. So, like, I already knew about it. I knew what was coming. So that's it wasn't true, like, that's true. Oh, no. So, like, there's a section in that where, like, the walkthrough we're using was like, hey, you can do this, which is, like, what you did, where it's, like, hide in these various places and just wait for it to go about its way. And then you can go out and go do your stuff. Or when it first comes at you, you go back into that, like, that the the room with the mannequin in it. Mm-hmm. And there's the, the table or, like, the the table or whatever she's she's laying on right mm-hmm. so you could just wait for the big baby to come in and then you just wait for it to circle around the table and you just run around and you're gone and it doesn't catch up to you <laughs> which you just go to your stuff to clarify in case anyone is not aware which i'm sure they are aware <laughs> the stalker character in this level is a giant monstrous baby with a lot of jiggle with a lot of jiggle um and like it's dragging its umbilical cord and it's just leaving blood everywhere and it's just like making ha- a lot of slop noises like oh it's so wet and it's like and happy it's crying giggling. all the time no it's happy giggling at you and yelling like dada and stuff yeah um i think i mentioned to you like i never wanted kids and this makes me especially never want kids. <laughs> You're just going to pop out a giant baby that's going to chase you all over the hospital. Oh, God. And it's just like it's got the weird like baby hands and feet and like it's got the one eyeball open. And it's... I think part of what makes it so upsetting is the noises, though. Yeah. And there was also the point where you were telling me, like, hide under the bed and you'll get to see a view of the undercarriage. I'm like, don't say <laughs> undercarriage of this weird baby thing. I mean, you did get to see a nice view of that undercarriage, that's for sure. You're right, I did. You did. Um, I also posted a nice picture on Twitter uh, of the baby side-eyeing us. It's real funny. With no context whatsoever. <laughs> nope, none needed. Um, yeah, that baby's got some <laughs> jiggle physics. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the, the boss fight for that section as well is is definitely the most unique out of all of them, where, like, yeah. you have to go find the, the doll Angie. throughout the, the house. And essentially, that's how you, you, you win that fight, is you have to do it before the other dolls come and just try and murder you, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, you see the dolls like getting more, like, jittery as you're looking around for Angie, and you, like, mm-hmm. stab her in the head with the, the scissors. Um, and then you, like, once you've quote-unquote killed angie you realize like oh um i forget the name of the gal but like oh donna um you actually just murdered her and she was kind of like a ghost this whole time kind of ish Mm -hmm. it was horrifying very scary um that one is definitely my favorite of the four it's, it's certainly the most unique out of all of them. It is very unique. Um, mm-hmm. I was dying for you to see the weird baby. <laughs> we sure got to see that see that weird baby. Got 100%. to see that weird baby. Like that elevator uh, scene. It's like, whoa. Whoa. No, thank you. It's very good. Um, the third section, the Moreau section, is... Snot. You, get, you go through a lot of snot. And then he just transforms into a giant sea monster, and he's just got to maneuver around the waters while not I getting knocked off. I scared you at one point. Yeah, because you... Okay. 
playing games with Al is especially scary games. She is very timid. She is very nervous. She is very take it easy, take it slow. Make sure everything is, the coast is 100% clear. Check five <laughs> times before going and then she'll We got to make sure we don't cross the road like we yeah, got to exactly. be careful. Instead, in this, there's one section where I was like, okay, you know, do this stuff, and then you got to wait, and then you're going to go across, and then you'll be fine. And she's just like, Ear-oh. and I was like, what are you doing? You're going to die. <laughs> I mean, you were fine, but it was just like, what? Are you, who is this? Who is this person playing? Did, did Game Boy just take the controller from you inside the plate instead? This isn't you. Um, I was scared because I knew the bridges were going down. But also, I get scared around water critters. I didn't want to get eaten by the water critter. <laughs> so I just zoomed. Uh, you super zoomed, and I was like, whoa! You panicked. It was so I did funny. panic. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you panic with me playing a game before. I just didn't want you to die and have to redo that stuff. That's why. I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> but I made it. You did make it, surprisingly. Surprisingly. And then very you get lucky. To fight weird snot merman who's very sad about his mom not loving him. And also, he's just like hanging out. He's got a little tiny human body hanging out the mouth. Yep. Just very funny. Yeah, he's he's not okay. Rain snot upon you all over. He he like has a a sunken village there. Like part of the village is sunken there. Mm-hmm. Which is also interesting. But yeah, you and, beat him, and then you guys three. Uh, you have three of the flasks. Mm-hmm. And then Heisenberg basically is like, "Hey, I'll give you the fourth one, but I want you to hear this. You know, um, this uh, this opportunity I have for you." And he basically is just like, "Hey, what if we combine? We work together. We'll take out Miranda because I don't like her. Mm-hmm. She did all this stuff to my body, and I hate it." I want to take her, her down a lot. Yes, and he's like, "I want to use your daughter to defeat her." And Ethan's like, "No, that ain't happening." That's my daughter. That. I don't know you. And then Heisenberg's like, "Okay, well, I guess we'll we'll have to fight then. Go yep. through my uh my my factory, my big factory, which is got a a, a propeller man who cut off his own arms accidentally." <laughs> yep. Factory, I think, is, like, probably the, the most confusing part of it, because, like, just getting around it is kind of not as easy as some of the other sections of the game. It's very easy to get lost in the factory. Yes, it's very easy to get lost in the factory. And the map like, is you, very unclear. Yeah, you got lost, I got lost. So I'm sure, I'm sure the just, Duke got lost at some point. It's bound to happen. Yeah. Um, but you also learn some, you get some Chris info here. Yeah, we get plot. Chris, Chris runs into you. He ran into him earlier in the game, I think in the Moreau section. And he's just like, hey, you're not supposed to be here. What are you doing? Get out of here. And then Moreau attacks. So you don't get to really find anything. Information now. Uh, here you find him down like at the bottom of it. And he's working on some weird contraption. And, he, and then eventually he's like, all right, let me tell you what exactly is happening here. Let me break it down for you, buddy. So you remember how I killed your wife? That wasn't your wife. That was Miranda disguised as your wife. That's why we were trying to murder her because we don't like her and she's bad and we want to get rid of her. Okay. Good. We were trying to save you and your daughter. Good. Things went very bad. Bad. <laughs> now we're trying to fix this. Good. Good? Question mark. 
anyways, you probably got to go fight Heisenberg, so you should go fight him in this cool motorcycle tank contraption. I'm going to go hang out with my boys and gal. That thing was wild. It has like a chainsaw and a cannon and a motorcycle <laughs> and, and a, a tank. And a Gatling gun on it. It's, yeah. It's all sorts of wild. Um, I do think it's great that throughout the game a few times you hear the, the Wolfpack boys that are like, Chris, you should have let him know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And Chris is like, no, no, we couldn't let him in. We couldn't let him. He's a civilian. We couldn't do that. And they're like, Chris. But you've been trading him. <laughs> Chris, why didn't you tell him? Like, they're they're calling him out for his Yeah. Which, which is good. He needed that because. if Of all people who needs people to, tell, to call him out, Chris Redfield needs people to call him out on his stupidity sometimes. And I'm right. glad he now has, like, a good squad of people who will do that. <laughs> I agree because Chris is so like lost in the idea of like not not bringing people in unnecessarily at this point because he's lost so many folks mm -hmm. that he made it worse in this situation because he wouldn't just tell people what was happening. Yeah, very stubborn boy. Very stubborn brick wall of a man. <laughs> There's also a part where like um when they're down there talking, Ethan's like, I'm going to go get Miranda after this. And Chris just, like, looks at him, smirks, and is like, okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> it's so good. I, like, snarky Chris Redfield, A+. Plus. <laughs> but, like, but like we were saying earlier, like, God, it's so nice that they, they made a return to form for Chris. Just even by, like, character design mm -hmm. and just his character as a whole. Like, this is 100% Chris Redfield that you know and love. Right. This is – the characterization is there that you're like, okay, yes, mm -hmm. I can see how RE6 Chris would become this Chris. Whereas you yeah, exactly. could not see that connection with RE7 Chris. No. And, like, the whole blue umbrella person. stuff was nonsense. Like, none of that made sense. And they essentially just retconned that, like, through this game. There's like, yeah, that, that we're not doing that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're like, ooh. Uh, I do think it's funny, there were several moments where they're like, oh, look at this weird symbol on the wall. What is this? Yeah. Um, and I, then they I was, explained later the umbrella connection. Yes, I was talking to a friend, and, like, they basically said, like, it felt like RE7 was kind of, like, a gamble, and, like, they just kind of threw that out there, and then it got real popular, and they're like, oh, crap, we got to fix some of this stuff that we put out here now with RE8. Yep, and they did. And they did, which is really great. Yep, I was um, so glad to see this Chris back. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the Heisenberg boss fight is real wild. Like he's like, because you have to use that that tank motorcycle, and that's how you fight him. And he's just turned himself into a giant tank as well. Yeah, just covered in all sorts of metal and machinery and everything. It's so wild and yep. a real fun time. <laughs> it's so stupid. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's some prime Resident Evil stuff right there. Yep. Sure is. Uh, and then you die. Yeah, you defeat him, and then Miranda shows up and is like, I'm going to kill you. Okay, see you later. <laughs> I'm Bye. taking your daughter for mine. <laughs> Woo. And then Chris's group is like, hey, by the way, Ethan's dead. And Chris is like, Urgh. Another one. Not like DJ Khaled. Not another one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he grabs his squad together, and they just raid the village and just take out a bunch of dudes, and they're like, we're going to go take out Miranda this is this is our time we're doing this we're, we're finishing the job now yep 
And that's where you get the big action sequence where you're Chris and you just mow everything down. And it's so satisfying. There was one point where you were worried that I was going to run out of ammo because I was just blap, blap, blap and everything. Then you look down, you're like, oh, never mind. I just, I misread it because I thought you had like a hundred or something. I was like, oh, that's not good. You're going to run out. And it was like, oh, you have like 600. I had going into that fight, the boss fight there with the Chris section, I had like a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> bits of ammo left. <laughs> I was like, I'm good. Amazing. Uh, so yeah, you basically just you mow down a bunch of enemies and then you blow up this uh, section of the village that's being protected by Miranda via calling in airstrikes. <laughs> and um, You get to fight the big boy, RA big you, boy. I don't know if it's the big boy. Yeah, you fight a big boy down in a very tightly contested fighter area, which makes it a little bit more difficult than normal. It is difficult, yeah. But they also make mention in this that, like, oh, the BSAA is here, and, like, it's very clearly Chris and his, and his group are not working with them, and they're like, mm, right. mm. I don't know about this. But then they, they find the, the Megamasite, mm-hmm. or the Black God, in the Japanese version. Ooh, that's cool. Which I think they call it that in the DLC, don't they? I don't remember. Oh, they do, they do, in the, um, in the section with the altar. Yeah. So yep. that's the thing, that's basically the genesis of the mold and everything from Seven and now here as well. Um, so he's lab. like, all right, I'm going to put a bomb in here, and then we're going to blow this up, and then we're getting out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he finds Miranda's lab as well, and he finds, like, all this information about how, like, the dude who fund- or founded Umbrella, like, met her, and that's how he started making the T-virus and all the other viruses and everything. It's because he met Miranda at one point. Met Spencer. Yes. Um, um, so, and- yeah, Spencer used stuff that he learned from Miranda to make the T-virus, and also mm-hmm. she's been alive for a century-ish, yeah. and... She wants wanted, to revive she basically, Ava. Yeah, she wants to revive her daughter who died due to the Spanish flu. Or Eva? And like, Eva. That's how Eva. they call it, I think. Yeah. Um, And like the, the Lords, the Lycans, and then Evelyn from Seven are like experiments that she made to try and recreate her daughter that had failed. But she's like, oh, Rosemary's going to be the one who does this. Mm. And they're like, No. No. Um, so Chris is just like thumbing through here. He finds a prison cell, just pokes his head in there, and he finds someone in there. He's like, show me your hands. And it's Mia. But he's like, he gets on the on the comms. And he's like, hey guys, is where's Miranda at the moment? <laughs> like, oh yeah, she's at the ceremony side. She hasn't done anything yet, so he's just chilling there. And he's like, oh, shit, this is actual Mia. <laughs> she's alive. She's alive. Cause, and because like, they Wait thought minute, that huh? she was just gonna be done with her and kill her. Yeah, so like she's like, hey, yeah, they they caught me that they did some experiments on me that sucked. Anyways, where's where's my daughter? Where is my husband? And Chris is like, yeah, about yeah. that. Ethan's kind of gone and dead, but we're gonna get Rose. I promise you, we're gonna get Rose. But then she's <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think you understand how special Ethan is. And then like it cuts to Ethan like waking up, and he's just like, or he's like, he's in this dream sequence and talking to Evelyn, and yeah. Evelyn's like, "You're dead. You're made of mold. You died three years ago. You're not even supposed to be here." And he's like, "Huh? Jack that killed make sense. you." Anyways, I'm gonna wake up for reals now, and I gotta go fight Miranda. I love that he had his heart ripped out, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, well, whatever. what a nap. Let's go." Uh, the best part about this is that he wakes up and he's in the Duke's uh carriage, and the he's like. Duke? And he's like, oh, hey, you're awake. It's been a while. Oh, <laughs> Anyways, you look like you're doing Duke. okay. Bro friend like, Duke. Take me to Miranda. He's like, I'm already on the way, my guy. Yep, I got you, buddy. Shouts out to the Duke. The Duke. 
What a good dude. He is a good dude. He just he just wants to help you make some food and sell you know, some stuff. Make some money. Exactly. So then he takes you to Miranda. You save. You you get all your goodies prepped up for the fight. You save and do all that sort of stuff. And you fight Miranda. And she's trying to revive her daughter, but then instead it just turns into Rose, and she's like, "No, no." <laughs> and then Ethan shows up. And he's like, "Get the f- away from my family and my daughter." I don't know you. <laughs> uh, so you fight her, you beat her, and then you're all good. Chris comes in, he's like, we're going to get you guys out of here. We're getting you out of here. And like the Mega Messiah is coming from the ground and everything. But then Ethan's like, no, I got to finish this. Well, you Take start to see daughter. like his arm is starting to like disintegrate. Yes. He's starting to like, he's reached his limit of his powers. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I'm done for, so I'm just going to go sacrifice myself to make sure everyone gets to safety. He, like, pushes Chris away, holding Rose, and takes the bomb. Is like, bye. And Chris is like, no. Okay, I guess I'll already request. See you later. Bye. And then you hear he gets on the plane with Mia, and Mia's like, where the heck's my, where's Ethan? Where's he at? Kaboom. Yeah, and then Chris is like, he's gone, and punches like the 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 side of the helicopter, which I thought he was gonna punch me. And poor Chris is real bummed. And then they also show, like they show like the the BSA are using bioweapons, mm-hmm. and he's like, hey, we got to go to the BSA Europe headquarters, and that's all you hear about that for Chris's section. But that's yep. the end of the the story for Ethan as well. And then there's a post credit scene of older Rose going to his grave. Mm-hmm. putting flowers on it and everything and then she gets she gets into a car with some agents of Chris's essentially mm-hmm. and they drive off and there's a, a person there that they stop and talk to or something I don't know that never gets elaborated on so we don't know <laughs> yeah that maybe that'll be in the next game or something who who can who say who knows uh, but yeah good times it was good it was wild and stupid I loved it mm-hmm I uh so I didn't know the twist or anything at the end. Um, okay. I kind of figured there was something with Ethan, considering how many times we've seen him just like have limbs chopped off and everything, and he's like, "Bloop, oh, I'm good." Yep. So like that 100% makes sense. I wasn't expecting him to die though at the end, so I thought that yeah. was surprising. Um, so yeah, some interesting things at the end of there. He they, uh, he little dead. He little dead. Little dead. Um, I think they, uh, we talked about this when we were talking about RE7. I think they imply that the collectors. That the one dude had been talking to in Louisiana, right? And the like son. giving informations was the the four lords and like Miranda and everything. Oh, were they? I think there's a file in this game that implies that. That's possible. I could be wrong, but like that's what I got out of it, and it would make sense considering like they are like the organ, like the the originator of it and everything. So. If Miranda could find new ways to see, like, how is this mold doing in this different area? Like, what's what's the difference in this? How is it being affected? Is it just going to work for my experiments and all that sort of stuff? Right. Oh, God. If you try and Google the collectors for Resident Evil, it's like, do you want the collector's edition? No, that's not what I want. (laughs) No. Uh. Oh, God. I can't find any information on this without. How, How would I search this? Let me see. Oh, that's not going to help either. It's going to put Resident Evil 7, The Collectors. It's going to be like, Collector's Edition? <laughs> yeah, this is just, hey, do you want the Collector's Edition of this game? Yeah, this is this is not, this is not working. No. They should not, they should have used a different group name. They should have. 
Uh, but either way, that uh, that leads us into the DLC, which I played. The Shadows of Rose, which essentially um, is a lead up to that post credit scene at the end of RE8, which was wild. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting way to do it. I was, I thought this was okay. I didn't think it was like the best thing they've done. I thought there were some interesting elements to it. Yeah. But like, I think at the end of the day, it's fine. It's fine. It's no uh, end of Zoe, that's for sure. It is no end of Zoe, but I do think that the funny thing is that, like, she she is in the 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 goo, mm-hmm. and um, she gets help from a a a glittery spirit person thing, and she's like, "What are you, a guardian angel? Who are you, like Gabriel, Michael?" And he's like, "Michael, uh, uh, Michael, yep, that's me. Hello, we'll, we'll go with that one." Um, and so you get like little little notes and help throughout from Michael mm-hmm. and like it's very clear it's Ethan. A hundred percent, yeah. Like <laughs> you know the whole time it's Ethan. Um and then like you get to see him do the like crazy action pose, um, throwing her like down in the in the um in the house away from Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Um and I did think that the thing with Evelyn was interesting that she was like taking it out on Rose that yeah. like, she she didn't get the family that she wanted because of Rose essentially. And again, I think I think that section of the DLC is probably the most interesting in terms of like how they did every like the puzzles and everything with like, you know, the mannequins and like the dolls and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. Like that was oh. some real wild things <laughs> that they did there. Like obviously there's some funny things with the mannequins where they would just stop and go like, huh? Huh? Hey, how's it going? But, like, just having them chase you around and, like, you have to have line of sight on them or else they'll start moving at you and try to kill you. Like, I think that was some real wild gameplay. It was wild. It was, they, uh, it was actually to scary, too. Yeah. Um, but it was funny because there were moments just like, hey, hey, I'm a mannequin. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> there's a, there's one time where, like, it was coming down around a corner and peeked around, like, the, the, the door frame. <laughs> it's just like, huh? And I sent you the picture of of Loki doing the same thing. <laughs> it was very perfect. It was basically the same picture, honestly. Mm-hmm. It was very funny. Um, but essentially, Rose is in here because she wants to get rid of her powers because she's tired of being a freak. Freak. And she's like, oh, and she learns from K nine, like, oh yeah, if you go in here, you'll learn, you'll get rid of your powers. It's fine. But it turns out that's not really her. Him. Him. It was a mis- It was a. It was a. An illusion from Miranda. That if she takes the purifying crystal, then she's powerless, and then she can be taken e- over. Eva again. Woo. Yep. Um. But yeah, turns out, wow, Michael is Ethan. What? Mm-hmm. And she's like, my dad. That's you. My papa. My dad. Which I uh- think is good, cause like, um. It gives her like a good like you know having like an actual interaction with her dad that she never would have gotten. She or never would like have gotten. And like it gives a, a a nice closure for Ethan as well in her in terms of his story. And I mean, it kind of implies like he's been with her the whole time, which is kind of neat that like he's been with her because of her powers essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and he kind of like is encouraging her to leave and stay how she is. But when she is very, very determined to not do that, he's like, all right, well then I'm going to help you. Like, if that's mm-hmm. what you want, that's what you want. Um, So like, that was, that was cool on his part that 
he was trying to do what he thought was best for her but then like once once he realized how determined she was and how upsetting it was for her to have these powers he's like all right well then let's let's get rid of it yeah um but then you get some like really really nice moments of them like being a family and blocking his face <laughs> so good with his arm um just incredible framing throughout incredible framing uh and, and also just a nice touch that he's like in his hoodie since she has his coat mm-hmm. that's pretty good um but as you mentioned after we finished it like it makes the scene at his grave make so much more sense because you realize the context of like she starts this not knowing her dad at all. She knows nothing about him, really. Mia doesn't talk about him. She doesn't know much about him. And, like, throughout this, she gets to know him a little bit better. And then they have, like, this really touching moment. Um, and so she's able to, like, feel more connected with him when when she goes back to, to the grave, even though at one point we just didn't have sound. We, I mean, we had sound. We just didn't have <laughs> dialogue sound. No dialogue sound. It was very weird. That was very funny. It's very weird, but um, it made everything make more sense. And like at, at one point, like the the agent calls her like Evelyn, and she freaks out. Again, makes way more sense knowing like what happened in in the DLC where she actually had to go against Evelyn and hear all these like awful things said to her. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, Ethan's a proud dad and you know, I guess is still dead, but kind of with her still ish. Yeah. Cause she still has her powers. It's a good, it's a good amount of closure for both of them. Yeah. I do want to know who that figure is though. Who is that Unknown next to that figure. car? Unknown figure. Unknown. Who could it be? I don't know. We were trying to ghost. calculate like how old Chris was at this point, and he's like old. He's an old man. He's an old man. Old man Chris. I want to see old man Chris. Can you imagine? Old man Chris and Leon. Uh, but yeah, that is uh, that's Resident Evil Village in a nutshell. It was fun. It was really fun. Good return mm -hmm. to form. I agree. Fun time all around. And uh, that's going to do it for our podcast this week. So if you'd like more from us, head on over to SeasonalAnimeCheckup.com or SAC.cool where you can find past episodes of this podcast and other podcasts like Jared and Al Watch. You can also find columns and reviews on the site as well. If you'd like more from Anladium, go to anladium.com. She's got columns and reviews. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at Anime Checkup. You can buy our books, One Shiny Moment, a critical analysis of Love, Life, Sunshine, and Hot Tubs and Pac-Man on Amazon.com. And you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash S-A-C-O-V-A. Buy us a slice of pizza, get access to unedited versions of the podcast early, and a whole wealth of bonus content as well. Next week, it's time to take a glimpse into the future Zera. of media in 2023 oh man and hey at least this time we will have watched the game awards before then so we'll have like all of that stuff ready to talk about wow that never happens i know we've we've we got lucky this time with having an episode at the very end of the year so thanks 
when when are the game awards uh thursday this thursday this thir- or this past thursday if you're okay. listening to this okay so yeah we'll have to remember um, to watch that or i'll have to remember to watch that mm-hmm. maybe so we'll talk about all the new games coming out next year and new announcements or anything and all that sort of stuff next week mm-hmm. 